Well, our names are Teresa and Gumby. Welcome to Escaping Society. We wrote our own song so we wouldn't have to pay for anyone else's copyright infringement. And we live in a van and we eat from the trash, making this podcast open for cash. You better listen up because we probably won't last because we can't compete with nonsense. Hypnotizing nonsense. Oh, society sucks and we don't need it. It's killing your kids, so why do you feed it? They'll tell you to stay, but you don't need to heed it. You can give them the finger. There's no time to linger. So, thank you for listening to our song. It's not very good and it went kind of long. Don't care if you like it, cause we'll be gone. Over that next horizon. We ain't got no Okay, welcome to Escaping Society, episode 11, Mobile Home Park. My name is Gumby. I'm Teresa. And we are at one of our favorite cities, um, Boone. We're taking a week-long break from summer camp, so we rushed up to the mountains to the highest elevation we could get to to cool off a little bit. Um, yeah, and it's a breezy, sunny day. It's been kind of rainy, so it's, it's really beautiful, but we're going to have to compete with the, the sound of the wind and a lot of people taking advantage of this morning. <laughs> um, but Mobile Home Park, we wanted to kind of follow up on our second podcast, which was the Truly Mobile Home, and especially to um, talk about places to park your vehicle if you're living in a vehicle. Because um, anybody who's tried it, this is one of the biggest challenges. Um, and we want to start off with a general check-in, you know, kind of a follow-up on our first one where we're t- just talking about living out of a van because we were just starting it back then and we've been doing it for, gosh, I guess a couple months, month and a half, something like that since then. So, um, yeah, I'll start and asking myself the question, how's van life going? Um, so it's going well for the most part. Um, there are times when I'll say that, you know, I kind of feel like, sort of aimless. Um, I think that's something that you struggle with and you kind of, you know, you feel pointless, but then I remind myself that I felt that before when I lived in a trailer, um, that that's not something that's tied to the van. And as a matter of fact, I think there are oftentimes I feel I have more meaning living in a van, but I do find that come up sometimes kind of like, you know, just feeling like I got to move from place to place. And we're going to talk more about that feeling and how to address that in this podcast. Um, Let's say, I'll uh, see, I'll, I'll see, <laughs> let me say something about the bedding. So I, I have uh, back aches, um, and I had that when I, we had a mattress and a full bed in the trailer, too. About the only thing that doesn't give me a backache is a hammock, um, and I would love to find some way to have a hammock in the van. We've looked into that a little bit and have not found anything that seems realistic for our 2006 Toyota Sienna. So we do struggle with the bedding, um, and in relation to that, the Piedmont in North Carolina is really hot and humid, so um, kind of managing moisture, humidity. Like if you have a rainy day and you're living in a van, especially with a dog, um, and especially being out in nature like <laughs> we tend to like to do, things get wet. And then if you have a few days, things tend to stay wet, and that can be really challenging. Um, I suppose we could go to a laundromat and use a dryer, and that's always kind of a plan B or C. We usually don't do that. We usually just kind of stick it out. Um, maybe we'll find a covered shelter at a park and string up a line and kind of 
do a hobo takeover and, you know, have, have all of our clothes hanging there. We did that yesterday, and Teresa described it as looking like uh, hobo prayer flags, and it kind of did. It looked like we were about to throw this, like, really sophisticated hobo birthday party or something, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Complete with hobo chili. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we even had our scavenged food and food pantry food to cook on our little uh, Coleman stove, so we were doing it up hobo style yesterday. Um, odors, of course, you know, like dealing with a dog and just, you know, people... Um, odors are already an issue in a small space. And then again, that summer moisture, you're sweating more and everything. So odor management has been, you know, something we're <laughs> looking into. We, we don't know how much we get used to and how much, uh, is kind of going through those filters of past what we're used to, but definitely trying to keep the van smelling good <laughs> and mold. Um, we've seen maybe like a little spot on the roof that could be the beginning of mold, but the trailer we lived in before was inundated with mold, so we're pretty, um, I would say, not paranoid, but definitely aware of that. We want to keep mold under control. We don't want mold in the van. So we're keeping an eye on that, and it all goes back to me, to that moisture management. So that's one of the challenges that's come up as far as a check-in for van life going in the summer. And we've had to be in Durham, in the Piedmont of North Carolina, where it's especially humid because I'm working there this summer, doing summer camps, and so is Teresa. Um, so getting up in the mountains, I think helps when it's not raining. Um, of course, like I said, doing camp, that's something that's greatly affected van life. Cause when we're down there, we have had to really adjust to much more heat, like 20 degrees hotter down there than in the mountains of North Carolina, much more humid. Um, it is a struggle. There are plenty of days that living in a van is not fun down there. We come back to the mountains. It's much easier. Um, you know, the whole mobility um, reminding yourself you are, in fact, in a mobile home, so use it like a mobile home. So camp's been a struggle. we got two more weeks of that. Get through that. We can be wherever we want to. Um, and another thing psychologically I'd say that is challenging for me that is specifically related to living in a van and not the trailer we had was less of a feeling of connection to place. Um, I miss having, like, these trees outside that I got to know over time and I'd sit under and like there was no, you know, I'd never find somebody else sitting under this tree. That was always a spot that felt reserved for me. Um, and just watching a place change through the seasons, one place, this connection to place, I think that's something very natural to the human animal is wanting that deep connection with place. So Ideally, we're hoping to be semi-nomadic and maybe have that connection to place to like two or three places rather than one, but still forge that. I think that's sort of the natural rhythm of humanity. Um, and also, I recognize that part of that connection is an illusion, you know, that there are other things. We don't own that place. I mean, especially Teresa and I as renters, we did not own our place. So it's always been something to be shared and something temporary. But still, psychologically, you know, I find myself kind of missing a yard sometimes. Um, but other than that, I'd say van life is going fine. I, I rarely find myself wishing that I had a, a house, a trailer. Um, one thing that came up was movies. We still get to watch movies, but it's a little more difficult. we got to charge laptops and everything. Um, but especially during these camp days... Um, I used to unwind last summer by just watching a movie and cooling off and it's a little harder to do, um, in a van. So that's one thing I miss. But other than that, I think things are going, going pretty good. So Teresa, how would you, uh, check in? How's van life going for you? Um, 
van life is going pretty good for me. Uh, obviously, like Gumby was saying, the, the heat and humidity is a challenge, but that's why once we're done with our camp season, we are getting the hell out of Dodge, um, that being the Durham-Chapel Hill area of North Carolina in the summertime. Um, something that I found um, helpful in the beginning when we got them uh, were the rain guards. We talked about um, there are these rain guards that have uh, 3M tape on them and you're supposed to align them on your doors. Yeah. So um, that was working pretty decently, um, but when we installed them, there was kind of a little bit of a hang up with the tape. Um, not sticking where it was supposed to, so there's kind of like a few gaps in the rain guards, so we have to be careful not to leave them unattended when it's like pouring rain, because we will start to get drips. But I still think that the the type of rain guards we got are good, it's just maybe, um, maybe a little bit of user error at the first, the first ones we put up there and installed. Um, so yeah, you could potentially have good rain guards and, um, be able to have your windows cracked a little bit. The screens that we have are, uh, they were from a dumpster. They had been slashed by an employee of the store. Um, thanks employee. But otherwise they were working as far as keeping the bugs out of our van. And we could open up the side doors and open up all the windows and have the cross breeze whenever we were in a place like um, out in the country. Or when we're at camp, we're staying on this farm that's like right across the road from the school. Um, it's like a, a well-to-do school and they've got this little farm area that they teach stuff to the kids. So we're, we're parked there and it, it works relatively well, although the more we use the screens, the more the rips rip. So um, we're looking at possibly maybe replacing that with uh, something that's a little smaller and less rips in it, Gumby. And we have a video of that on our YouTube channel if that's kind of hard to picture because I think I'd have a hard time picturing that. So just look at our YouTube uh, video van screens if you're curious, and that's what's been working for us. That's a good point. And, um, <laughs> God, I remember this moment. So we finished up the first day of the first week of camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we had been, we went back um, from the mountains to the Piedmont of North Carolina to reacclimate ourselves to the temperature. And we actually had a pretty decent week um, before camp where the temperatures and the humidity were, they weren't great, but they were pretty low for this time of year. And it steadily increased until the first day of camp. And when we are teaching, we're outside the majority of the day. I feel like if you can cool yourself off in the morning from the overnight heat kind of building up in your body, you have a good day. But when we're teaching, it's kind of difficult to go to a river and like have that as a part of your routine. So you start the day kind of hot. And even if it's only in the upper 80s, low 90s, by the end of camp, you're dying. I mean, it's just the accumulation of heat in your body is too much. So, um, Gumby, I think your words were, we're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought we were doomed after that first day. I was like, holy crap, we got five more weeks, and uh, the first day was just like, the heat hit us like a hammer. So, I was like, Gumby, um, 
we're going to be okay. I, I think I know what to do. And I had seen this video briefly. I didn't even have the sound up on it uh, from YouTube. And it was this woman who had a battery-powered fan in her car. And when I say battery, I mean like one of the batteries they use for power tools. So we took a trip to Home Depot. And I hate to say this, but we bought a fan. We as in Teresa. Yeah. And look... This is a situation that is ungodly, inhumanly like, torturous. So I bought the fan with the intention of, all right, look, it's got like a 90-day return policy. Let's just use it while we're in camp, and then we can return it and say it wasn't exactly what we wanted. And we are a work in progress. This podcast is called Escaping Society. If it was Escaped Society, you would not be hearing us right now. We'd, we'd be like, screw you guys. We're going home. Yeah. And so, you know, as much as I'd like to say I've escaped society, I haven't escaped the heat. Um, so this fan was, oh, gosh, is it DeWalt? Which one is it? Sounds right. It's a, it's a yellow and black box, whatever that brand is, and hopefully that narrows it down and it did cost some money um the box was open so i got like a 10 percent discount at home depot but it does have a battery that we can charge on our little power inverter in the van and it doesn't take much time at all maybe like 30 minutes or less to yeah charge. this power inverter has proved to be a really useful thing um so i want to re-emphasize that i think we mentioned that in our first podcast but it is really awesome we charge our laptops on it every time we're driving we can charge a device on it so great thing yeah and this fan um the first night we used it it really only lasted like two hours because i had it up turned up too much but we realized that if you have it on the lowest setting that makes a difference to you so you're feeling the air move it's it's making it more comfortable more bearable this fan will last through the night and into the morning when you wake up and then you can shut it off charge it while you're driving or like when we're at camp, we just charge it in the classroom. It's a big difference. And it really makes it worth the money that I spent. And I'll tell you how much I spent. It was $89. That's a lot of money. Um, It was $99. But uh, yeah, maybe if you're thinking of doing that and you have the money, maybe you can just return it after like the 90-day period or within the 90-day period and get your money back if you're a moving to cooler areas like we're planning on doing yeah and we're we're struggling with like the fact that i'm a scorpio and she's a consumer so we're trying to like work it out (laughs) (laughs) um i feel like that purchase though was a lot better than getting a hotel room that would have cost 90 dollars for one night true that so we're, we're a work in progress like gumby said something else that i noticed that is an immediate like a shock is when we're at this summer camp, they have an indoor kitchen that we have the use of and a bathroom. And I find myself using the refrigerator for our dumpster-dived food, like like cheeses and coffee creamer and stuff that we found in the dumpster. Um, I find myself using the stovetop and even the oven to make some, like, uh, crescent rolls that we found in the dumpster and other things. And then I find myself washing dishes with soap in the sink. And all of this is stuff that we don't do when we're out in nature. So it is really a shock. And I find myself washing my hands so much and like wiping surfaces and being a germaphobe because it's indoors and it just feels dirty. Um, and it's not even, it's not even really that it's that dirty. It's just, I don't know. It just begs for it. It's like this 
weird, unnatural setting of being indoors. Um, and as well as the bathrooms, like I, I mentioned, I think in Fight to the Right, Fight for the Right to Potty, um, bathrooms are just really gross to me now. Like I can go up the mountainside in the woods, take a crap, bury it, um, rinse my hands off in a stream or like use hand sanitizer or whatever, and I'm fine. When I go in these porta johns and there's like a pile of toilet paper almost all the way up to my butt, like, and other things mixed in there, obviously, that's nasty. Um, we were staying at this farm across from the school that has a porta porta potty, and um, I sat down on it one night and I was like, oh, what's that? And. Um, <laughs> There were maggots on the toilet seat of the porta potty. Maybe I should have warned you at the beginning of this episode. I don't get maggots on my butt when I'm pooping in the woods. Worst case scenario, I get a chigger bite. Um, I, I really, I cannot talk enough about how much, like, this unnatural lifestyle that we've created with the indoor plumbing and even the porta johns. It is nasty. Um, so yeah, so nature, one, um, indoor, anything, zero. And then Gumby kind of alluded to this when we were talking about, like, teaching at summer camps, but we had gotten some really good routines going. I was exercising every morning, Gumby was doing some exercises and meditating, and we would have our campfire going to make the water for coffee and for our whatever oatmeal or whatever we were eating that morning. Um, and now that we're back in this money-making position of teaching summer camps, it's like we're so drained at the end of the day. We're going out and splurging on a cold drink at the very least, um, if not going to a happy hour just so we can sit somewhere in the air conditioning and like regroup before we have to sleep out in the heat. And then the next morning we're like conserving energy, or at least I know I am. Uh, so there, there isn't that chance to exercise. And I also don't have the luxury of just going to the nearby Creek or river and taking a dip. If I did want to do my exercises, I would just have to be sweaty all day and deal with that build up and accumulation of heat. So yeah, altogether, I'm really looking forward to not being on somebody else's time schedule and being able to resume our routines. Yeah, and I don't want to complain too much about that because I, I recognize the whole reason, like, we're going there to work is because it is an opportunity. But, yeah, it does come with challenges. And, uh, you know, sometimes we listen, especially me, I like to listen back through the podcast to kind of remind myself of what I'm putting out in the world and sort of refine it. Like, is there anything else I would have said if I did that podcast now? Um, one of the things I love listening to is the birds singing in the background. Lots of times I'll hear a bird and like, wow, that is such a clear, recognizable bird call. And when I was focused on the podcast, I didn't hear it. Um, but as I'm listening to these birds now, that reminds me of another, like, you know, the, uh, the connection to place, the loss of a connection to place. That's another thing I miss is when you have a yard, you know, and if you love nature, you go out and you like start having natural neighbors by natural neighbors i mean you know where the mockingbirds are and you get to know them personally so that's part of the connection of place um i'm realizing that i miss with a van it's it's harder to have that it's harder to know like here's that little spot in the yard where this kind of ant is um and to expect like the sheep sorrels coming up here although i gotta say this park we're getting to know this park pretty well over several months 
And I am starting to develop some of that. So maybe it's a matter of time, giving it more time. But mm. that's just something I'm feeling right now. Um, so, yeah, we're about to talk about places to park your vehicle. And I'd like to start off by just pointing out how strange it is that it's a challenge to find a place just to be. You know, when we're talking about living in a vehicle, we're not talking about, you know, like, homesteading. We're not talking about um, trying to take over an area, to start a business, to build a house. We're talking about literally a place to park your vehicle. And that can be a challenge. And to me, that's one of those commentaries on our civilization, that just finding a place to be is a challenge. It's something we take for granted, like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you got to buy a house, you got to rent a house, you got to, you know, pay somebody to be someplace. Mm-hmm. And that is an insane thought. It's just one of these many things we've normalized because we've all just like, oh, that's the way it is. And we shrug our shoulders and ignore the fact that we make it this way. This is not the way it is for any other creature. We create this weird situation. And that's actually one of the things I like about living in a vehicle or any of these ways we try to escape society is it brings into sharp focus these insane things that everybody else gets to ignore. If you play the game, the game is designed to hide things from you. If you play the game, it seems like everything just falls into place. You go to the grocery store. You do what you're told. You pay the money that you've been given to get this food. You don't have to ask certain questions or wonder where it came from or all the hidden costs um, taken from the earth to get that food to you. You can go home, home in quotes, you know, and this home is built for you, given to you. Uh, you're allowed to be there because you're playing the game. When you start dropping out of this game, civilization looks a lot different from the outside. Um, and I want to see that. That's one of the reasons I do the things I do. I want to see the injustices. I don't want to ignore them. Too many people are ignoring them. I want to see the pollution. I want to see the places going to crap. I want to see the insanity of, wow, I'm not I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just parking my van in a place that no other thing is happening. It's an empty lot. And a cop could show up and tell me I can't be there. That, to me, is a great injustice. And I want to be on the side of the people facing that injustice. Um, there's this great quote by Derek Jensen where he says, those in power have made it, so we have to pay simply to exist on the planet. We have to pay for a place to sleep, and we have to pay for food. If we don't, people with guns come and force us to pay. That's violent. Love that quote. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you got to pay money to exist on the planet. As long as you're making that money and paying that money, and you know you feel fine with it, well, that's fine. You just kind of go along with it. Once you start dropping out of that, once you start thinking, like, I don't want to participate in this culture that's putting us in this horrible position, things start getting really crazy. Things start – you have to face things you didn't have to face before. Um, John Zerzan, I almost feel like this quote is almost an answer to Derek Jensen's quote, is he says, when justice is against the law, only outlaws can affect justice. I see that everywhere. Um that the law does not protect anything I would call justice. It doesn't protect anything beautiful and wild and natural and green. It turns it into commodities to be bought and sold, to be turned into things to make money for people. They use that money to play the game. It's a big game of Monopoly. Fucking hate Monopoly, by the way. I feel like that's like <laughs> training kids to be capitalists right away. And, uh, you know, I was just reading this anarchist meme about capitalism versus communism. I'm not I'm not playing that game either. I'm not saying capitalism and communism is great. I'm talking about 
like just rejecting the whole culture, the whole format, which includes both in my way of thinking. Um, but yeah, I am happy being an outlaw. I'm happy towing that line because one of the things Teresa and I were talking about the other day is the whole reason why we're resisting this culture, why we're escaping society is because I believe there is a natural law, an ancient law that, that permeates the universe, that, that, that encourages diversity, that protects life, that, that adapts all things to a greater good. What we have in our society is a tribe of outlaws that has taken over the planet. They have broken every natural law at every turn, which is why we're in the fix we're in. They've taken more than they were entitled to. They've done things to wipe out species that no other species does. They're playing a game they invented and then creating laws and calling anyone who doesn't play that game an outlaw. Wow, the wind liked that. So when I use the term outlaw, I am using their term. I recognize that they call me an outlaw, and I'm happy if they call me an outlaw because to me that's one of the, the signs that I'm on the right path. But what I really think in my heart of hearts is I'm trying to move as close as I can to obey a law that I've been taught to forget and ignore since the day I was born because the real outlaws are the people in power that are creating these arbitrary laws that don't protect life, that don't protect us, and that don't give us a future. Um, so yeah, there's my little rant about just to consider, you know, when we're about to go into these great places to park, why is it even a skill to have to find a place to park your vehicle, to want to actually live a life that's less impactful? Why would there not be cops showing up to encourage you? Like, sir, would you like a cup of coffee? It's beautiful what you're doing. You're actually doing something that might be less impactful to the planet. That would be sane. But that's not what we run into. We run into the person with the huge house, one family in a giant house that could house half a village. Those are the people the cops are protecting. And meanwhile, they're weeding out the rest of us that are trying to live in our vehicles and live less impactful lives like rats. Um, yeah, and living like a refugee, always being on the run, always feeling that feeling that they – it's not about living out of your vehicle. It's about the system that you're forced to live inside with your vehicle it makes you feel like a refugee you're constantly feeling like somebody could knock on your window any moment and, sir you can't be here which happens you know um you can't sleep here and you can ask them well why not um that's the that's our policy you know there's never a good answer to that there isn't a good answer to that um but just feeling moved around when i've lived out of my car i've lived out of my car twice before and that is usually the thing that wears me down where I eventually start renting a room or something and kind of get back into the game a little bit. I'm a refugee for no other reason other than I just want to find a place to sleep and I don't want to pay for it. And when I really look at it in those terms, I almost feel obligated to push that. So you're telling me just to be, just to exist, to find a place to sleep, I need to pay money? No. Somebody needs to fight that and I guess it's got to be me because I see it. So, you know, it can wear you down. So it's a struggle. Again, I embrace being an outlaw in a culture like this, but I've got to acknowledge that it does wear you down. It makes you tired always being on the run, finding that place that you won't get messed with for a little bit. So hopefully we're about to give you some tips that if you are choosing a similar path and hopefully for similar reasons, or maybe you just, you know, things fell apart and you find yourself here temporarily. It'll help you get through this time until you get to wherever you're you're going next. Yeah, 
so I'm trying to think of a segue here, but um, being mobile when you're in a minivan or any sort of uh, vehicle living lifestyle, that's kind of the name of the game. And the reason for us is mainly because of the temperatures um, where we're at in North Carolina. It just doesn't make sense anymore to stay where it is so freaking hot. So when you're able to be mobile, um, we have found that, of course, going to higher elevations like we've talked about in the mountains, it can make a huge difference. On my laptop, I have a a tab that comes up automatically for weather.com, and I can see pretty consistently that about 3,000 feet elevation, it tends to be 20 degrees cooler. Yeah, I never understood how important elevation was before this year. In a half hour, you can change your temperature to like extreme comfort to extreme discomfort. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, even um, when we're in Asheville, it's about 10 degrees hotter than in Boone, like more or less. And when we drop down to one of our favorite places on the parkway um, around a creek, it can it can be anywhere from 5 to 10 degrees warmer down there. So definitely, if you're escaping the heat, head for the hills. And that, it seems to be common sense, but but like Gumby said, he didn't realize how much of a difference it made. And along with the seasons, so maybe we'll come back to North Carolina in the, like, winter months because we do tend to have a uh, pretty, like, mild winter season here, and we can enjoy the the forests without having too many bugs and and all of that, Um, and not a whole lot of snow on the ground typically. Um, But yeah, being mobile and having that connection to place, that is something that I feel like can wear you down. So we're hoping to just be semi-nomadic and find, like Gumby said, maybe two or three places to be throughout the year, whether it's the mountains of North Carolina, the Piedmont of North Carolina, and then maybe somewhere else in the country that we can go when it's like extremely hot or extremely cold. Um, Gumby, I think I'm done with this. Yeah, and a few more kind of opening tips. We're going to get specific with spots you can go in a minute, but these are kind of the broad strokes. So Teresa's talking about like paying attention to season and elevation um, and some hazards living out of your vehicle. Pay attention to where you park. Like if it's a really (laughs) muddy spot, you know, I mean, this is one, again, one of those like, duh, but pay attention to mud. You don't want to get stuck. You know, you're living out of your vehicle, so you're a little more invested. I mean, if it's your car, it's it sucks to get stuck. But if it's your car and your home, really sucks to get stuck. We were right next to a creek yesterday, and I had seen on the forecast that there was going to be, like, flash flood watches and warnings in that area. So we got out of there because, I mean, obviously it makes sense, like, you're in a low-lying area, but some people were still parked there. In fact, they were coming in at the time when we were getting out. So I hope those people didn't have any damage or injuries. Yeah, another uh, hazard that I had not realized that happened just a couple days ago. We uh, got a Redbox movie, and we had charged up our laptops. You're going to watch a movie, and there was this uh, area of the parking lot that said, no overnight parking, blah, blah, blah. And we're kind of used to, you know, these a-hole signs that are just sort of, you know, like I'm talking about. (laughs) You can't be here. Turns out this sign maybe had a better reason for being up there because we pull in the van and uh, we're sitting there and I think we're done with our movie. Um, And there's another truck parked over next to this hill that is for sale. It's just sitting there. 
And suddenly we hear the sound, and this rock comes rolling down the steep slope. And not just rolling, bouncing and rolling. Yeah, and it was a significant-sized rock. Like, if that thing would have come through our van, it would have done some damage. Yeah. So that's something that I've become aware of, is steep slopes in the mountains. I always see those signs that say falling rock, and I guess I never really think much about them, but uh, it's a thing. So if you're in the mountains... <laughs> Yeah, don't, like, if you're looking for a place to park, consider if you're on a steep slope right nearby, because those, those rocks do sometimes just come tumbling down, and for man, no they can really mess you up. Um, and I would say another general rule of thumb for your vehicle is wherever you park, alternate your spots. Um, move around. Don't, don't homestead. You will be noticed. You will be run off. You will get all the wrong attention. So just as a strategy... Plan, I'd say, at least three spots that you regularly alternate around. And if it's easy for you to do more spots, like if you're really traveling from state to state, even better. The less you're noticed, the better off you're going to be. Because generally when you get noticed, it's by people you don't want to be noticed by. Mm. So I like to control how much I'm noticed as much as I can have power over. I don't want to be noticed unless I want to be noticed. And then you want to be noticed? Hell, you know. Take out your guitar, take out your harmonica, sit on a corner, play some music. Uh, you know, there are ways to get noticed, and there are times to be noticed that you want to be noticed by people and maybe socialize more. But you control those times because you don't want to just be sitting there and people are like, oh, there's those people that live out of their van. If you're there every now and then, um, people are pretty unaware. <laughs> And they're getting more so all the time. They're looking at their smartphones. They just aren't invested in paying attention to what's going on around them. Use that. Use that to your advantage. That is your cloak. People's unawareness. You know, as long as you don't give them a reason to be aware of you, most people will not be. And even the people that are aware of you, most of them don't want to get into it. You know, they just don't want that hassle in their life. So they're happy to ignore you unless you make them pay attention to you. Alternate spots. And this goes for being on foot. If you're sleeping and you're homeless on foot or living out of your vehicle, alternate spots. If you're in one place, it's a weakness because more and more people are going to know where to find you. And some of those people, you don't want to have that knowledge, that power over you. True that. And we'll talk a little bit more about this later. But I, I often kind of chuckle when I see I'm like, oh, my gosh, that person is still there. <laughs> it's like their vehicle just broke down and they just decided to homestead in the parking lot. And maybe they do have a deal with some, you know, small business owner or something. But I wouldn't count on that. And like Gumby said, you could have a circulation of whatever, three, five, ten spots and if you're seen every, like, once every two weeks, no one's going to really pay attention to that. Um, unless you're, like, really flashy and hanging up your um, clothes on a line in a park every day, um, like we did yesterday. A lot of people talk about parking in Walmart parking lots. And we've done this a few nights just as part of our rotation in Durham. Um, I don't find it to be too bad now that we have the curtains up before we had curtains. I was really sensitive to all the lights that are in just virtually any parking lot these days. Um, some Walmarts are 24 hours, so you could go in and use the bathroom. Often I feel kind of awkward going in there to use the bathroom at night because uh, I'm not shopping. I'm just going in to use the bathroom, and it, it feels like the security guard, if there is one, is kind of looking at you weird. Um, 
Also, you know, Walmart parking lots, there can be noise, there can be people hanging out, there can be grocery carts being flung about, so just be aware of that um, and know that you're in a public place. So we, we've always, and Gumby will talk about like exactly where to park and the, the intricacies of that, but we've always tried to park maybe not exactly on the edge of a parking lot, but towards the edge of a parking lot and maybe near something that is a barrier so you're not going to have too many people parking next to you. And parking at a friend's house can be a nice thing. If you're single, you can uh, get on one of these free, like, OkCupid dating places. And even if you, like, don't find the love of your life, you'll often make a lot of acquaintances that, depending on how you're doing it, you know, I mean, if, if you're just some kind of, like, ratty, homeless person, you're not really, like, you know, doing the clean, green, seldom seen hygiene we talked about, you might have a harder time of it. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But if you're single, getting in on the dating scene can make, a, like, a lot of acquaintances that might, um, they might really think it's cool what you're doing. And they'll be happy to have you park there sometimes. And, you know, you can date. So there's that added benefit. Um, Also, meeting people if you're traveling. Like, meetups are a great thing to sign up for and try to attend. Uh, Free classes at the library, another great way to meet people. Um, I actually had a homeless couple contact me through Craigslist one time. I was advertising a room I was trying to rent. And they said, we don't have money or whatever, but could we stay there for a night? And I said, sure. And they ended up being like really gracious and like, you know, they were great company. And then the next morning they had cleaned my kitchen and they had left me some food, um, some peanut butter. So I was really happy to have them. So I would say um, I think it's okay to stay with friends. Just be really aware that there is a time limit on how long you're going to be a welcome guest. I wouldn't stay there more than two at the most three nights at a time. And if you're doing the friend thing... Maybe have as many friends as you can. Again, <laughs> moving around, like create a, a cycle, a route. Um, I would say like not more than one night at a time is probably good the way I was doing it before. But if you create that cycle, you know, they see you once or twice a week, you can actually be a welcome guest, especially if you go above and beyond. You know, you're washing dishes, you're washing clothes. You're like, you are a beneficial force. You're not taxing them. Um, so be a really good guest and you'll find that a lot of people are happy to be host and it makes them feel kind of cool sometimes, you know, if you're like that guy doing this fringe stuff, you're into, I don't know, wilderness survival, you're into scavenging, whatever. A lot of people want to be a part of that. They don't want to be right in the middle of it, but it's kind of, it gives them something to talk about, something that's interesting in their life that they've got this friend like, oh yeah, you know, like my friend Gumby comes over like, you know, once a week grabs a shower and, you know, parks in my driveway and like he always brings us weird stuff. And, you know, here's a story that he shared with me. So don't just feel like um, you're asking somebody for something. You are also bringing them something. So friends can be a really valuable resource um, and a mutually beneficial situation. Yeah. And I mean, we haven't really actually done this since we've been uh, doing our van life stuff, but I could see where if I were if I was on my own, um, I might have that circulation of like maybe I stay at a friend's house like maybe every Saturday night and like bring some food that I might have dumpster dived that's you know shareable and um, and of course stories and maybe even something that I've learned to do whether it's like making something from natural material or upcycled or something like that and it doesn't have to be a show it doesn't have to be all about you but um, yeah I could see where staying at a friend's would benefit. 
Um, something else that we've done is uh, parking lots at 24-hour grocery stores. And it's pretty much the same as a 24-hour Walmart. You have access to the bathroom. If you really want to go in and buy something, you're just craving. Um, <laughs> something else that we do during the day sometimes is we, uh, we hit the free samples in grocery stores. But um, like we mentioned in previous podcasts, you don't want to, like, sleep and like be in the same area during the day. So if you're staying at a grocery store parking lot during the day, maybe you don't want to be there at night and vice versa. Um, anything else you want to add to that grocery stores? Oh, oh, I want to share the story we had just the other day. We, um, I forgot about this till now. So we rented a, another Redbox movie and we were, um, sitting in the parking lot. It was actually where that rock tumbled down the hill. So we, what? Okay, I won't do it then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're trying to budget our time here, and it's already on our uh, list about some of the, the stuff to talk about when people have helped us out, so I was just pointing that out to Teresa. Um, yeah, so the 24-hour grocery stores, I'd say that wasn't one of the best ones. That's like um, It's something to keep in mind in lieu of everything else, but uh, um, that tends to be something that people notice you more you're more apt to get run from, run away from, which Teresa is going to share that story in a, like in a little bit. Um, and I would say all these different locations like kind of alternate, like we're saying. Um, rest stops. If you're traveling along the road, rest stops are pretty good. You can pull into a rest stop. You've got a bathroom. You've got a water fountain. You've got you know a vending machine if you need a snack, um, and they're there for you to rest. Now, we ran into this guy that apparently, well, he was definitely living out of his car. He told us with his little dog. And um, we saw him there, and apparently he's using that rest stop a lot. He talked to us a little bit. And then a state trooper came in and talked to him. Didn't seem to run him off. He was still there when we left, and the state trooper had gone. But I would say, like every other spot, don't overexploit the rest stops. Um, use them, but don't abuse them. Like, find other things to do. So don't just fixate on one rest stop like any other place. Move around. One of my favorite places to park that we've done so far is off of the Blue Ridge Parkway. And I almost hesitate to talk about it because I know we're not the only ones that do it. We've seen other people that are uh, staying at the places off the Blue Ridge Parkway. But it is such a beautiful spot if you're living out of a vehicle. And the wind agrees to that too. Um, we can climb up to the highest elevation on the parkway. And that's about, what, 6,000 feet and definitely, if you can, get a map of the parkway just so you can be aware of, like, turnoffs and, and places that are of interest and, and towns if you need to fuel up. But the Blue Ridge Parkway is so beautiful. And it also has areas where you can fill up your water, use the bathroom um, inside if you want to do that. And my favorite part is just, like, the... The stars are really clear a lot of nights up there. Even if there's a cloud moving through because you're at higher elevations, it's really awesome. It's just a really great place to be. I never would have thought about it otherwise going up there in the summer. Other people are up there. You got definitely have a lot of um, motorcycle enthusiasts and, and people that are just traveling through, escaping from the heat. But it really is a great place to be. Yeah, and the Blue Ridge Parkway, I mean, you could literally just use the Blue Ridge Parkway exclusively during the warm months uh, down here in the southeast, and it meets all the criteria because it stretches through from the North Carolina mountains into Virginia and becomes Skyline Drive after that. Um, 
and you can just drive up and down the Blue Ridge Parkway and find all kinds of overlooks that you can park at. I've never been run off of a place at the Blue Ridge Parkway. I rarely even see any kind of authority up there. Um, it's just a really nice place. And again, don't abuse it because we want it to stay this way. Yeah. You know, we're not saying this like, woo, go up there and have a jamboree because then you're going to screw it all up. But just go up there and like tread lightly. Like you want to do everything, you know, and that's what we try to do. We try to move around. We're not making a big presence. We might be at this overlook one night. We're not going to be there two nights. Um, we have done that on occasion, been at a place for two nights, but I always feel like I'm pushing it. Mm-hmm. There's places you can park that are gorgeous, that are cool in the middle of summer, that have bathrooms there all night you can use, that the stars just. I mean, the, the Blue Ridge Parkway is a miraculous resource. And then you start exploring some of the dirt roads right off the Blue Ridge Parkway. And there's places to camp, to go deep in the woods, to just park your vehicle and be there for, like, longer periods of time. Because these are people that are camping and backpacking, and uh, the locals are used to seeing a vehicle parked there for a week. So, wow, Blue Ridge Parkway. Can't say enough good stuff about that to get out of the heat for the summer. Mm-hmm. Um and apartments. This is something I stumbled on when I was dating somebody that lived in an apartment because I'd parked my car there. And of course, my car um, was a strange car. It didn't belong to anybody staying there. And But the people in the apartments didn't know that. There's just suddenly the strange car there. Sometimes I'd even leave my dog in the car because I lived out of my car at the time and he was used to sleeping in there. And, uh, you know, it was a mild night. and He'd just stay in there. He was more comfortable there. Um, but nobody ever complained. So when I started looking for places to park, it occurred to me, wow, how do these people not know that I'm just a guest of somebody else? You know, isn't that the normal thing to think when you see a strange car, as long as you're not there too much? Um, So yeah, that's one of the places I consider when I'm looking for places to park is apartment complexes. I just park there one night, you know, I've never been messed with. um, And then I find something else to do a few nights and maybe I go back or find another apartment complex. Yeah, and just be aware of any signs that are, like, this area for towing or, like, you know, show your decal or something like that. But, yeah, for the most part, when we've done it, it's been great. I think we only had to move one time because of bugs. And even if you do mess up, I mean, keep in mind, you're sleeping in your your vehicle. So, you know, the guy's not just going to hook up his tow truck to you. He's going to knock on the window and ask you to to leave. You know, Mm -hmm. that's about the extent of it. Um, I've never known anybody to get a worse repercussion than that. Um, just being asked to leave if you're sleeping out of your vehicle. So you can experiment a little bit. <laughs> All right. Man, I hate having to save these stories, but okay. Here's our favorite. We are aficionados on the next thing. Oh, yeah. Motel parking lot. So you think motel, hotel. Gumby's going to talk about the hotels are a little more fancy. But um, we've found so many motel parking lots to sleep in. And, like, again, with the Walmart parking lot, curtains help to keep the lights out. It helps you to park in different places that aren't just like obvious that someone's trying to sleep out of their vehicle because you can block out the light and sleep right under a light pole. Um, best part about it is, I'd say, waking up the next morning, um, getting out of the van, finding an entrance, whether it's the main entrance or maybe a, a door that's ajar on the side of the hotel. Well, that's the great thing about the motel parking lots is because everybody's coming in from the outside, so everybody's going in the same place. You don't look any different than any of the other people there. Oh, right. And a lot of these places offer continental breakfasts. You can decide whether you want to have the the full buffet or just fill up your coffee. Um, Gumby likes to bring in this iPad that we're doing the podcast on that he got um, for free. 
um, it makes him look kind of more legit. Yeah, I roll down my pant legs, you know, so like a lot of times I have my pant legs all rolled up uh, to stay cool. I try to look like everybody else just waking up in the morning. And you'll find when you start looking around at these continental breakfasts, even in the fancy motels and hotels, this is not a fancy group of people. So it's pretty easy to fit in. And then the iPad is just one more little prop. It's sometimes it's the little details that make me look less like a hobo guy wandering in and more like just somebody getting up and like, all right, I'm going to check my messages and I'll get my coffee. Yeah. And uh, even if even if you're a little like, oh, I'm not sure about this, you can legitimately get a cup of coffee, go in there, and if, like, the person at the front desk is looking at you, just ask, you know, what are your rates? You don't have to, like, even go in there like we do and get the whole breakfast just like feel it out and I think that's one of the main like tips that I would say is really have your your awareness up yeah and I have kind of levels like what I do is I will go in and I guess I'll just go ahead and mention hotel parking lots Um, the hotel for people I used to be confused about this if you're confused about hotel versus motel motel is where you have doors to the outside and most of them offer continental breakfast and they all go into the main office for the continental breakfast. A hotel is a little harder to get breakfast because all the doors in a hotel, that tends to be like multiple stories instead of one or two levels. And all the doors are on the inside. So presumably all the customers come from the inside into the continental breakfast. So you look a little bit stranger coming in from the outside. With that said, um, We have great luck getting coffee and a free breakfast doing this, um, even coming from the outside. If I notice a person that's kind of about to go in a side door, I will always take that opportunity because that just adds a little bit more legitimacy to the way I enter. Now I'm coming the first time the people in the hotel see me, I'm entering from the inside. Um, First thing I do is I go and get free coffee because as long as I'm getting a coffee, if anybody questions me, sir, are you, do you have a room here? I can say, no, I'm actually coming in to acquire about rates. I'm considering getting a room tonight. I just, you know, I'm, I'm making a cup of coffee. Because most of the time, these coffees are encouraged anyway. Often they're not with the continental breakfast. They're right beside the main desk. They want that to be kind of a, a bait, a lure to bring in people. Here's our free coffee. So I know I'm totally legit at this point that I'm making my coffee. And while I'm making my coffee, I feel it out. Is the guy at the desk giving me a weird look? Um... You know, is there anything that makes me feel suspicious or is he just totally like checked out? Yeah, just totally checked out. I'm getting no kind of feeling of like suspicion. If I'm encouraged, if I got no feeling of suspicion, then I move on to the continental breakfast. A few tips I found with this and we've done this hitchhiking, too. So it's not just living out of your van. (laughs) Um, We've actually stashed our packs and come around from the back of a motel and gotten a continental breakfast. Great way to get a free breakfast. And if you feel like. This is a horrible uh, breaking of the law. (laughs) Um, Yeah, start exploring how much of this food gets wasted and thrown away every day. Um, I have no qualms about taking a little bit of this food. Um, I feel really good about it. (laughs) Um, Let's see, confidence. When I walk into a motel or a hotel and I see that person at the office, if they don't make eye contact, if they just want to totally ignore me, sometimes I'll let that be. But if they look at me, I say, good morning. I might even say, can you tell me what time checkout is? Something like a legitimate customer would ask. Think about the things a legitimate customer who is confident. They just paid for this room. They're entitled. They're seeing how much the hotel can serve them. That's who you want to act like. Not 
the little homeless person trying to sneak in and hope nobody notices you because that's going to arouse suspicion. Don't look like the person they don't want in there. Look like the person that is paying to be a customer. They are trained to have this role to serve the customer, and if you don't give them any reason not to um, play this role, they're happy to play it. I've even like felt suspicious before with a breakfast that we were getting, and we filled up like a whole big thermos of coffee, and on the way out, I walked up to the desk and like implied that I was not happy with the breakfast. Like, wh- where could we go to get a decent breakfast around here? So this guy, I felt like was giving me some shade. He was looking at me and I was afraid he was going to say something. So before he could, I beat him to the punch. And as soon as I play a customer that might possibly be dissatisfied, bam, he snapped right back into his role as like trying to please the customer. He started mentioning places that we could go to get a good breakfast and everything. I thanked him and I walked out. He even asked me like, are you checking out? And I just totally ignored the question. And I started talking about breakfast places. (laughs) Don't, it was a beautiful thing. Yeah, don't give them a reason to break their training. They're trained to treat customers in a certain way. And if you do that, um, yeah, that's it's a beautiful thing that happens. Confidence is your best tool again and again. But, you know, this is one of the many areas that confidence is a great tool. And like I said, sometimes we fill up a whole thermos of coffee. And, uh, yeah, that'll get us like a couple days past because the hunt for coffee has been one of my big challenges being homeless. Um, how do I get this coffee? And we found all kinds of tricks, and this is one of the, the best ones. Um, and again, that looks confident. Like, don't do it like you're sneaking, like you hope nobody looks. Um, this morning, um, Teresa filled up a thermos of coffee, and as soon as she, like, we went in, we had our continental breakfast, came in the front door, noticed that everybody was just kind of ignoring us. And that's another thing to recognize is wage, slavery, apathy. These people... And avoid the little mom and pop places. Oh yeah, I was about I was gonna say that. Yeah, if it's a little mom and pop place, they are invested in the place. It's their place. Yeah. They're watching you. But for these big chains, these motels and hotels, these people don't give a damn. They're getting paid by the hour. They're not happy about what they're getting paid. They're just trying to get through there as stress-free as possible. The last thing they want to do is make a mistake and say something rude to a customer. They would have to be 150% sure that you don't belong there because you are going to screw up their day royally if they say, excuse me, sir, um, do you have a room here? And you start acting offended. Oh, crap. There goes their whole day. They don't want to do that. So take advantage of their apathy. They don't care. You're not taking anything they can't afford to give. This is a chain of hotels, for Christ's sake. They can afford to give you a cup of coffee and a, a, a little breakfast. Um yeah, is there anything you want to add to that, Teresa? Um, let's see. Yeah, Gumby really pointed that out to me, like wage slave apathy. Um, I don't want to repeat necessarily what he said. The only thing I would add, can I add about the the thing we saw in the movie last night? It's not really related to motels, but coffee. Um, if you're still a little hesitant about going into a motel or hotel to get coffee, we just watched this movie last night called The Mule. With uh, it was like directed and produced by Clint Eastwood and starred Clint Eastwood. And long story short, he walked into a Waffle House, which they'll give you free refills of coffee. Now, you do have to buy one cup, but he brought in his thermos. And I was like, that's brilliant. So for the price of one cup of coffee, you could potentially have like four mornings worth of coffee, depending on how big your thermos is. And he just casually, you know, said to the waitress, again, wage slave apathy, like, I'd like a cup of coffee, and while you're at it, can you fill this thermos? And that's another great resource if you're homeless. Um, Like, if you're not living in a vehicle, 
those free refills of coffee at Waffle House. Now you're a paying customer. You can get free refills and you can sit in there and be warm. Um, I've had homeless nights on the streets when I didn't have a vehicle, that it was cold, I couldn't sleep, I was miserable, and just coming choking up that little bit of change to get that cup of coffee. And most of the time, like, it doesn't even matter if they know you're homeless. Like, they kind of know homeless people do that. Most of the waitresses are sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, I even saw one waitress in there that I had just seen earlier in the day at a food pantry line. So she was either homeless or borderline homeless herself. So mm-hmm. she was really, like, more than happy to... Uh, you know, have me sitting on that little stool, sipping my cup of coffee and getting warm. Um, another thing, um, you might say these continental breakfast things are kind of small cons. Um, and I would say always have a story. Um, I was about to say earlier, like Teresa and I got done with our continental breakfast and we went to the back door. So again, we don't want to keep using that front door any more than we want to, because that's something that doesn't look like everybody else. And, uh, I opened the back door, I stood by it and checked my iPad and, you know, looked like one of these distracted people that have to, you know, see what the stock market's doing. <laughs> Teresa ran out to get, grab the thermos, um, came back, I opened the door for her and I said, you fill, I'll distract. So Teresa goes over there, fills the thermos of coffee. I go up to the front desk and start just asking all kinds of questions. So what's this Highland Games I've been hearing about? Do you know, like, anything about the campsites up there? Can you recommend a good place to eat? Oh, no, I'm not really into Italian food. Like, oh, really? I like that tattoo on your arm. And then, you know, people love telling stories. So Teresa was gone long before I got done with my whole, like, uh, (laughs) all my questions. So... That's another good thing to have in mind, and always have a story. Never be caught without a story. If you're doing something that you can't be completely upfront about, and keep in mind, you know, this honesty, this one-way honesty, um, you might be in a situation that you can't be completely upfront about what you're doing. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It means that um, it's a situation like parking someplace, you know, Um, or... Like when I go in to get my coffee, I said what my, my story was if I get the coffee and I get questioned. Um, basically, you know, I'm about, I was just about to ask about room rates. And that, again, puts them in their customer service role. Mm-hmm. It's trickier. You know that when you start getting the continental breakfast, now you're getting into tricky territory because not a normal person is going to go in there and help <laughs> themselves to breakfast before they get a room. We're abnormal. But here's another thing that I find works to your advantage. We all think of each other as freaking idiots. It's People are ready to think, my God, this person is so stupid. So all I got to do is let them think I'm absolutely stupid. And <laughs> sometimes maybe I am. So I have my continental breakfast, and I've never had to use my story, but I never want to be caught going up, up, uh, uh. So my story is if they ask me about the continental breakfast – is I say, yeah, actually, um, we're thinking about getting a room tonight. No, we didn't get a room last night. Um, and I just figured we'd get some coffee, and then, like, we saw the breakfast, and we were hungry and, you know, settled down. But, you know, sorry. And, you know, probably just because I have a story, the most that's going to happen is they're going to be like, sir, you um, can't do that. You can't have breakfast if you're not a customer. Oh, I'm sorry, and I'm just effusively apologetic, and then I start... <laughs> Going into the customer service role. Well, can you tell me what rates? Is there anything available for tonight? And I'm really sorry about that. I didn't know. I thought, you know, we were just really hungry. So and you seem to have a lot of food, so we just, like... Yeah. <laughs> and sure, they're going to talk crap about me after I leave, but what do I care? They're going to be like, what an a-hole? Can you believe those people? But, you know, that's that's okay with me. Um, 
And moving on, God, we had a lot to say about that. Um, look out for Sheraton and Hilton Garden if you're doing the free breakfast thing. You have to pay for breakfast. I found this out the hard way with Sheraton. I walked in there, and it was this beautiful place, like tables and a bar. And, you know, I sat down, and the first tip-off, I was the only one there. That should have aroused suspicion. The second tip-off was that somebody came and waited on me. This should have really <laughs> told me what was going on, but it didn't because I'd never encountered this before. So... This guy's filling up my coffee cup. He's like, you know, asking me if I want anything. And before I know it, he slaps a bill right in front of me. Uh. Luckily, I had the money to pay the bill and just, you know, paid this overpriced bill for a crappy breakfast. And those places usually have the worst breakfasts anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, really bad quality breakfasts. Um, so I had to pay for that lesson. So fair enough. Um, and like I said, Hilton Garden, another one. If you see Hilton Garden or Sheraton. You often have to pay for breakfast there. Yeah, there's there's some line of, like, super nasty hotel up to fancy hotel, and eventually, like, you cross over into the super fancy, and they make you pay for everything. And we're trying to get our podcast down to an hour, so I'm going to see if I can uh, get through these last few points we want to make as quickly as possible. But there's one story we wanted to share. Um, the one time we have been caught and got kicked out of a hotel parking lot was in Morganton, North Carolina. Oh, my God. And, uh, oh, we hate Morganton. But there's a few good things about Morganton. But, yeah, we had a lot of bad experiences in Morganton. But we pull into this parking lot and uh, pull into the back of the parking lot. We're all by ourselves, and we're about to talk about specifics in a parking lot. We made a lot of mistakes here. We pulled in, and one of the, the guy working the front desk happened to be, I think, outside, perhaps, talking to some people he knew who may or may not have been customers. So he saw us pull in. Saw us go to a place where we stood out all by ourselves in this back corner, and unbeknownst to us, apparently this hotel had already had problems with, like, drug users going back there and just, like, shooting up in the same corner we happened to be parking at. So we, you know, take off our clothes. I sleep in my underwear and, like, you know, just to cool off. It's hot there. And um, close our curtains, do our normal routine. A little bit later, we hear this knock on the window and, uh, excuse me, sir, is anybody in there? We don't know who it is, so my first thing to do is just ignore them and hope they go away. Like, they're curious or something, but <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I was half asleep. He didn't go away, and then we hear him talking on his cell phone saying, well, there's there's boxes of food in their front seat, and uh, then Sherlock kind of woofs, and he's like, I think they have a dog in here, and uh, is there anybody in there? So I'm recognizing now I'm going to have to deal with this situation. Ignoring is not the way to go. Um, and then this other guy pulls up, and we think it's a cop. And uh, he's got this tone of authority. And he's like, can you step out of the vehicle? And I say, well, I don't think you want me to step out naked, so I'm getting dressed. But, yeah, I'm going to step out. And, you know, they asked us, what are we doing? We're just pulling over. We found that hotel parking lots are a good place to take a break, um, catch up on some sleep if we get too tired to drive and we don't feel safe. Again, that is a great story if you get stopped by a cop. It's a safety thing. You're getting too tired to sleep. You needed to pull over to shut your eyes. I've yet to run into a cop that's going to give me much of a problem. He might tell me I have to move, but his whole tone changes when I turn it into a safety thing because he knows that's what he's supposed to be there for is to protect safety. And if I feel like there's a hazard, I'm doing the right thing. And the guy that initially, like the, the worker at the hotel, he was not a jobs worth, by the way, if you don't know what a jobs worth is. Long story short, it's somebody that doesn't do something that's more than what his job's worth. But he was above and beyond. I feel like he might have been in the military or something, and he was, like, trying to prove himself for some sort of managerial role. And he turned out to be the manager of the hotel. 
Well, one of them, but the other guy, I don't know who, no. or the owner or something. Now, the first guy was an employee. The guy that showed up next that I thought was a cop, that was the manager. And the the employee was, like, when Gumby said his story about, you know, we're just trying to pull over and get some sleep, and he's like, well, it's a hotel. Like, duh, you have to get a room. That's our whole business. But, Gumby, the, the final act... Oh, well, so, yeah, he questions me, and I, you know, I tell him what we're doing, um, and he's like, well, you can't afford a room? And I say, no. And, uh, you know, his, he, I can see him kind of softening, and he's just like, well, you know, we've had problems here, um, you know, with people shooting up and, and, and all that. And so I'm like, well, all right, we're, we're leaving, and I get in the van. And then he says, you don't have to leave. You don't have to leave. You can stay here, but just, uh, you know, don't cause any problems, and you're fine. So he actually allowed us to stay there that night. It's the only time we've been hassled ever, and we've done hotel and motel parking lots a lot. Um, and it was actually really awkward. Like we almost – we found that we were more comfortable flying under the radar and breaking the rules than having a legitimate permission to be there. I don't know why that was. It was like because we had permission, we knew that we were visible and it could be taken away at any time or something. Um, but it was, yeah, it was not a pleasant experience. But it taught me more about what I want to talk about next, which is, you know, these general parking lots we're talking about, apartments, motels, hotels, Walmarts. But where in the parking lot do you go? It makes a difference. You want to hide, but you don't want to look like you're hiding. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all things being equal, it seems like you want to go to the dark back corner of a parking lot. But if you're the only person back there, that can work against you. Mm-hmm. So what I look for is the darkest, furthest corner from wherever the most commerce is going to be, usually the front entrance that I can be, that I haven't separated from the herd, that I look like one of the vehicles just parked in there. I don't want to stand out. Um, if I, With that taken into account, if I can find a place that's near some woods, because sometimes you got to use the bathroom at night. Um, that's great, you know, and that that happens, I'd say, I don't know, just throwing out a number, maybe 50% of mm-hmm. the time, um, that we find a place that we don't stand out and has access to just like a little patch of woods that if we got to pee, we can get up and go pee. Um, yeah, I'd say those are the main things. Can you think of anything else about specific logistics of parking lots? Um, make sure that you're parked in a relatively flat space. Oh, yeah. Think about where your your head is, however you're sleeping, so you don't want your head, like, under your feet. So sometimes that means backing in, sometimes uh, going forward. Um, But, yeah, those are the two main things, the logistics. Don't be noticed, and think about, is there an opportunity if you have to use the bathroom? And watch out for those pet relief areas if they're towards the back of a parking lot, especially in a hotel parking lot. People that have their pets with them, they'll congregate, and you might smell whiffs of poop. Um, let's see. We have noticed, especially since we've been living in the van, so many other people. Long story short, there's a lot of you out there. Um, like I said before, I find it sometimes comical that I see who they are, like they've been there a long time. But also just um, listening to what Gumby described as the ideal places, that's where I see these folks, whether they have the um, reflectix in their window, and I know they're living out of their van, or they've got the the doors open and I can see them living out of their van. There's a bunch of you out there. And I also noticed different kinds of vans. And it was kind of interesting to me to think about, like, we're in a minivan. 
Um, but some people are in these like really expensive, whether they're rented or, or owned, like BMW, whatever, transit vans. Um, and it seems like the people that have the fancier vans or even the RVs, that's like more accepted than living out of a car or a, a truck with a camper shell or a minivan or something like that. Um, money talks. Yeah, money talks. So that's kind of just something interesting that's just been kind of building in my mind. And as far as, like, noticing all these people, I mean, we're not just talking about, like, oh, there's a few people living out of their van. It's, like, everywhere. Yeah. Is anybody else noticing how many homeless people there are, both on the street and in their vehicles? Um, the more we do this, the more we kind of tune into the, like, signs, you know, things other people might miss of like, oh, that person's living out of their vehicle. It's like there's an exodus going on. Mm -hmm. Like there is a big mass movement. Um, and I think, I don't know if the news is ignoring this intentionally because they don't want to alarm or inspire people to join this or be afraid of it, or if they haven't noticed it. But I feel like I'm seeing something happening. I'm seeing a lot of people either intentionally or unintentionally dropping out of society, being pushed out of it. Something's going on. There's a lot of this happening. We see it everywhere. And we'd love to hear from you if you are one of those people listening to this podcast. Um, yeah, another thing to talk about is daytime loitering spots. So right now we're in a park in Boone, and we were at a different park yesterday because we want to make sure we're, we're cycling through our places. Um yeah, parks are great. They often have bathrooms, sometimes with running water if you need that. Um, just places that you can loiter, although we've actually seen signs that say, like, no loitering in city parks. And I think Gumby probably would like to speak briefly about that. Well, all I want to say is, what the hell is a park for if you can't <laughs> loiter? I thought that's what you do at a park. I mean, I assume that the people who aren't loitering are either working there or consumers trying to buy something. So what the hell is there to buy at a park? And if I'm not a city park employee, you know, what are these employees maintaining if not a place for the public to loiter? And <laughs> I'm just baffled if anybody can tell me what it means to see no loitering. And occasionally the signs get specific, you know, it's like no loitering after dark. Yeah. But it's the general ones that throw me off, like no loitering. I mean, that's kind of what we do at a park. And are there other places that we tend to go to during the day? libraries yeah it depends on the weather libraries like if it's hot you know we kind of ask ourselves what we want are we wanting privacy like maybe it's a rainy day and we want a movie um in which case kind of the back end of a grocery store it doesn't matter if you stand out during the daytime um so much if you just want to go to the back part of a parking lot and watch a movie um I don't know, malls maybe. Uh, we don't tend to go to malls a lot. Starbucks um, if it's raining and we need internet. Yeah, libraries. It really depends on the weather, but if the weather is not forcing your hand, um, a park. And a rainy day, like a big, one of the things I Google when I go to a new town to find out where they are, covered shelters. Mm -hmm. It's great to know a place to get out of the rain, to be able to just like relax, read, air out your the stuff that's gotten wet, cook you know, with your little Coleman stove. But yeah, I'd say parks are the number one thing I can think of. Mm -hmm. I agree. And um, the final thing I was going to talk about was people willing to break the rules. So these are people that are not jobs worths. Um, we actually ran into this in the parking lot where the rock fell down the hill. Mm -hmm. um, it was a food lion in, uh, where was that at? Blowing Rock? Yeah. In uh, North Carolina. And I think what happened was Blowing Rock is not a big place. 
Um, ooh, a great blue heron just took off over there. Hmm. Anyway, so we were legitimately customers. We rented a Redbox movie. Um, we did stay there for two movies, so that was probably a, a no-no for us, was to stay in a place for that long. But it was also, you know, there wasn't that much traffic at that particular store. But we had gone in and bought some cold beverages, and we were just kind of doing it up, enjoying ourselves on a somewhat rainy, foggy day. And um, almost at the end of our second movie we were watching, there was a knock on the window of the van, which the windows were down. Um <laughs> And it was this guy that Gumby had seen, like, be really hesitant to approach us. Like, he started, and then he, like, walked away and, like, kind of had this conversation with himself. And then he, like, came back, and he was like, no, I, don't, I shouldn't do this. And then he finally knocked. And we were startled. Our dog didn't even bark when he did that. And he was just saying, like, um, hi, uh, I just wanted to let you guys know, like, you can't sleep here. And we're like, oh, we're not sleeping. We're watching a movie. And he's like, oh, oh, I am so, so sorry. Like, he, he fell right back into that customer service role. Like, I am so apologetic. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry. Um, he's like, I just wanted to let you know that if you were trying to sleep here, um, our, like, our manager's going to be gone. You can come back after 1130 if you really need to stay here. I just, I'm so sorry. And he, like, ran back into the store completely embarrassed. I can't even believe somebody did that because would you approach a van that you don't know what's going on in there? I mean, who knows what you would find? So I imagine most people wouldn't, but that person was actually above, going above and beyond what I think uh, was his job description to just kind of let us know that uh, if we did need a place to stay, here's the here's the trick. Come back after this time. Um, and, that, and that particular store closed at 11. Um, another time that people were willing to break the rules was in Asheville at a, a particular McDonald's that I think sees a lot of homeless people. Um, I think Gumby and I have maybe even seen people that were on the streets working in that particular McDonald's. And we purchased a beverage from there for a dollar. Um, again, these hot summer days are just really taxing and a cold drink for a dollar just seems to be worth it. Um, and we decided that like we wanted to go in and just see if we could get a refill, even though we had bought the drink like a day or two before. Um, just to see what would happen, and if, at the very least get a cup um, of ice so that we could have a drink that we had in the car, but have it cold. And the first time we went into this McDonald's, the lady was like, yeah, what do you want? And we were like, um, Sprite, I guess? And she just filled it up and handed it back to us. No questions, no, no purchase, no paying. Um, the second time, the guy, I was like, hey, I was just um, wondering if I could get some Sprite. And he was like, okay. And instead of using the cups that we already had, he got new cups, which kind of sucked because it's wasting, you know, stuff, but he just gave us Sprite with ice and didn't ask any for any money or anything. I just walked out, like, completely baffled. Like, what did we stumble upon? Is this something that happens in other places, too? I don't know, but it um, seemed to work for us. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that was kind of funny because we've done it twice at that, that place. And uh, apparently it's just kind of an agreement, this unspoken agreement with the homeless people, I'm guessing, is if you bring in a McDonald's cup, you get free drinks. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, just a shout out to those people that aren't jobs worths. And we, we got this word, apparently it's an English word, like, what's your jobs worth? You know, like people that um, take their jobs so damn seriously that they're just a real pain in the ass. Um <laughs> So thank God there's so many people that are willing to break the rules that recognize like my job's not worth 
so much of my humanity. What I want to do more than like do what I'm told is just do the right thing. This guy ain't hurting anybody if he's sleeping here, so come back at 11:30 like the guy at Food Lion or you know, McDonald's has got so freaking much money. If there's somebody coming in thirsty, hell with it. Have a drink. Yeah. And Teresa's run into this when we were doing uh when we were homeless on the streets with coffee. You know, people doing the same thing with coffee just over and over like, uh, you don't have enough money, you don't have any money. Here, have some coffee. What's it hurt me? Mhm. So thank God for those people that aren't completely brainwashed. There's still a little bit of hope out there. Um, So I guess that kind of wraps us up. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us. And I always say that, and we're still waiting to get some questions or comments, but (laughs) this would be a much more interesting uh, podcast if somebody, even if you want to argue with us, I'd love to hear a debate, some other viewpoint. You think we left out something, you think we're blatantly wrong about something, challenge us. Um, And we have a website. It's escaping society, one word, all lowercase, dot weebly, B as in Bilbo Baggins buys big buns from Betty Boop, <laughs> dot com. Oh, my God, Gumby. And I probably confused you. Escaping society, dot weebly, dot com. Um, <laughs> so we got a lot of, like, little stories and things we're working on, um, including this podcast through that website. And is there any final word, Teresa? Um, yeah, we have a contact form on the website if you don't want to use the one through the podcast. It's easy. You just, whatever. You can put whatever name you want. You don't have to put your real name. You don't even have to put a real email. Just put a comment. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Maybe we'll see you over a continental breakfast sometime. Bye. (laughs) Thanks. Bye.